0: Hello, and welcome back to this week's episode of Lit AF with me, your host, Sarah Cohan. As always, I'm so excited to be back here with you this week, serving up conversations about spiritual and personal growth for the recovering insecure attachment type. And today's guest is amazing. Her name is Gabby and she is a women's life coach and she hails from Canada and we have a delightful conversation about healing. She goes deep and I mean deep about her own personal story and she shares, and this is my favorite thing, she shares like concrete stories about when she's had to go through and really recover from codependence and all kind like triggers and how to heal them and tools that she used in her rock bottom. She talks about like chasing things and then kind of realizing like at eventually like once you redo everything that you got to take a look at yourself when you realize there's like a, uh, a common thread and you're the only common thread. <laughs> we talk about integration and self-love. And if you've been listening for a while, you know that self-love is my jam. It is like, to me, the the point of all of this, to be quite honest. Um, and so, so, yeah, this conversation is amazing. I had a wonderful time recording with her and i'm really excited to get into it but before we do as always i share my own personal weekly check in and today i'm excited to talk about an exercise that i did this week with my coworkers that was um an exercise a feedback exercise and i've always wanted to be an environment where feedback is given and received in you know a lot it's fostered it's celebrated, and the more that you give and receive feedback, the better you get at receiving it. And so in the past, I have not been the best at receiving it. To me in the past, feedback meant that you thought I sucked <laughs> and that I wasn't good enough and that, yeah, I should basically go you know bury myself in a hole and um, never come out again. So after doing a bunch of self-love practice, you know, a a very strong self-love practice, I've realized that those beliefs can be separated from the constructive feedback. And so I actually see feedback as love and support. And it's taken me a long time to get here, but I'm here now and I'm so excited about it. And what happened was my coworkers each took some time to give me feedback. So they thought very very thoughtfully about where I can improve. And then we spent like, I don't even know. It was it felt like, you know, 10 to 15 minutes of them giving me feedback. And what I love about feedback, because I've been in feedback trainings, I have pretty solid framework for how to give and receive feedback. I like to give feedback in a shit sandwich like compliment this is where you can improve compliment. <laughs> and then when I receive it, I the framework is that, you know, I should write it down and also paraphrase back to the person. And somehow writing down the feedback like dissipates any energy attached to it because you're just taking an idea that you're just listening to someone and you're just writing it down on a piece of paper. And it almost like, Instead of being able to for the feedback to land inside your body and have a reaction, it just takes it and puts it down on a piece of paper where later you can reflect on it. It doesn't have to be right now and it doesn't have to be in front of that person. I should say the the important part of this framework is that when you paraphrase back to them what they're saying, there's no – and now I'm going to give you my opinion of your feedback. There's none of that. It's just Simple. I'm going to paraphrase back to you what you just said. And when I'm receiving feedback, when I received feedback this week, I realized that so much feedback, and you've heard it before on this podcast and you will hear it again, we give the advice that we need. We give the advice or we give the feedback that we need ourselves as well. So much feedback is also like can't really be separated from the person that's giving it. Obviously, if you hear it multiple times, you know, that's something to really pay attention to. But it's really interesting how it relates to the person that's telling it to you. And oftentimes there's a need that they are saying they have in that feedback. And so a lot of the feedback I was getting was like, please show up more, not show up more, like we want more of you, like get, you know, come out of your shell, be a little more, have a little more authority, like feel like you can really be yourself and, and be here. And I just loved that. Like, who doesn't want to hear that? It was a really special, special thing. But also, it was a really cool exercise to be like, wow, feedback is so important. And when you think about it and can distill it down into the parts that are constructive, that is amazing. And also, it is a wonderful tool for people to share needs. And their needs don't have to be reflective of you at all. It's just them trying to say, you know, share what they need. So lovely exercise. I'm just like patting myself on the back to do it. I volunteered. I didn't have to do it. And I want so many more of these conversations. Like some of the advice that I got was just – I think really profound and I'll share another piece of feedback that I got was I say love that a lot. And oftentimes my coworkers don't know what that means. And I say love that on this podcast all the time. I'm like super guilty of this. I've heard from you listeners. So it was really helpful to hear that because now I'm like taking a half second before I say love that And I'm expanding on it. And so I'm like, what is it that I'm loving? How can I say more so that people understand what I'm saying? Instead of just going to my catchphrase, which is love that, and I use love that for so many different things, literally just meaning I, I totally agree with what you're saying, I totally love what you're saying, and appreciate that you're saying it. And also, I oftentimes in meetings I'll use it to say like, "Cool, got it. Let's move on." Like, love that. All right. And so I know I've used it in all contexts on this podcast, and I'm excited to um be, of like be a little bit challenged to go beyond my normal vocabulary. So you heard it here first. Hello. <laughs> All right. That is it for today's check-in. I challenge you to do a little feedback round with a friend or a partner or a coworker. See how it goes just to start to get into the habit of giving and receiving feedback because oh, I feel like I'm going to be such a better communicator now that I've heard this feedback and I'm really excited to distill it and start to implement it in my daily life. So yeah, that's my challenge to you. Okay, as always, please, please, please rate and review the podcast. If you're in the Apple Podcasts app, leave, leave a review about why you love this podcast. This helps other people to find this amazing podcast that has free resources for people that are on their own healing journey. And of course, if you're really loving the podcast, send this episode to a friend that's, you know, into these types of conversations, you know, listening to podcasts is a huge part of my healing journey and continues to be a huge part of my healing journey. And I love it when people send me podcasts. So I'm sure that they will appreciate it too. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for doing that. All right. Without further ado, let's get into this week's episode with Gabby. Gabby, can you just get us started by introducing yourself?
1: Absolutely. So my name's Gabby. I am a women's life coach. I work with women to go from backup dancers to the Beyonce's of their life. That means living authentically from your truth and just honoring your own needs, wants, and desires by healing the relationship we have with ourselves. So my biggest passion is first that and really making self-love like applicable and doable because I felt like for so long in my journey, people just told me to just decide to love myself and um, I just felt like a failure every time I couldn't just decide. (laughs) So that has been really huge passion of mine and really has allowed me to work with incredible women and healing their relationship with themselves and just creating lives that they love and that they're not a victim to which has been so important so that's kind of my world professionally but me in general you know I just I love a good bath I love a good book and I love a good glass of wine
0: Mm, what a combo I love that do you ever
1: do them together all three together at the same time Absolutely. If it's a really good day, we're really high on self-care, that is all of them at once. <laughs> it's
0: amazing. Baths are, baths are my literal go-to self-care tool. So I love that.
1: Right? It's necessary. Amazing. Oh.
0: Self-love is my favorite thing because it's, oh my God, it is so necessary. And my own healing journey really started with manifestation mm-hmm. and it didn't really start with this like self-love concept. And so it kind of grew into like, oh, it's just all about self love, but it didn't start there. So I would like, I would love for you to tell us about your own journey and your rock bottom. I feel like most journeys start with a rock bottom. So that's why I'm saying that. But yeah, I would just love to hear about it.
1: Absolutely. So I like to call my rock bottoms my bathroom floor moments because somehow I always end up at the bathroom floor. And that's how I know things have really reached bottom for me. That has happened twice in my life. So I like to mention both of them because I think it's important. The first one was when I looked around at my life probably five years ago and I recognized that I had checked off all of the boxes. I had done what everybody else wanted for me and none of it felt true to me. So I had the career, I had the marriage, I had the house. I had everything, checked all the boxes and I was so unhappy. That led me to the bathroom floor where I was just like, none of this is who I am, but also I don't even know who I am. So what does all of this mean? And so I really dove into you know, self-help, psychology, um, all of these tools that were available to me to try and make sense of what I was going through. So that led me to burning it all down. I made very drastic decisions and I burnt it all down. Everything that didn't feel true to me. So I ended up moving cities. I got divorced. I left my job. I did everything. And I was like, yes, I have it figured out. This is it. I'm healed. Uh, I'm healed. I love that. It's perfect. My eye, everything is perfect. And what actually ended up happening was that I was acquiring so much knowledge that wasn't being integrated. Three years later, I ended up in the exact same positions, just with different yeah. name. another career I disliked going to every single day. And it was just like, how am I here? Bathroom floor moment. Again, back to the bathroom. Damn. My life has different people in different circumstances, but I feel the exact same. That was my second bathroom floor moment and just recognizing that knowledge is not the same as integration or embodiment. So that was huge for me. And then that's when everything changed. I started to get the support that I needed, outside support to reflect back to me the parts of myself that I couldn't see and started to actually implement the practices and the knowledge that I had. So that me to really start to heal my relationship with myself and actually make decisions that were authentic, but also felt safe in my nervous system so that the change became sustainable. And then that led me to kind of reaching back to the women that were coming up behind me, just two steps behind me. And I was able to start to help them. And just it grew into this beautiful life coaching business where we are just figuring it out together.
0: I love that. That is so cool. And way to like lift as you rise. Like, I think that's so important.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. It's been a world, it's been a world journey. That's for sure.
0: Oh my god! Well, thank you for sharing that. I love that you call them bathroom floor moments. For me, it's the bathtub moment. I'm, I mean, bathtub is my self care moment, but it's also like when the bathtub's empty and I'm in there. That's like a bad thing.
1: <laughs> different Full bathtub, you're thriving. Empty bathtub, yeah,
0: things are. We gotta look. We gotta look
1: around. Things are going <laughs> We got
0: problems. No problems, and no. I. <laughs> Yeah, I also love what you're saying about how we can think that we're we can change everything, and have our external circumstance completely be new, but we're still the same person, bringing our same trauma and baggage and projection onto the world, and we can end up in the same situation.
1: The same situation, and until we really do that, like deeper work, we're like really brave enough to sit down with ourselves. It's just different circumstances, but we can't outrun ourselves.
0: We can try.
1: <laughs> and I did. I really tried. I gave it my best effort and everywhere I went, there I was. And it just, you start to recognize that you're the main player in your entire life and not the circumstances. They can all change. But My joy and my peace and my ease is really dependent on me because even if joy is around me, if I'm at war with myself, I can't even feel it. Like there were so many moments in my journey where I was like, hey, "This should be joyful and like exciting," but like I can't feel it because I'm too busy in my mind, like self-deprecating. Mm. And, and like
0: that—that's
1: what changed everything. Was like I can't do that anymore.
0: Good for you. I feel like those are the, those are kind of the subtle when you're by yourself having those thoughts. Those can be like the subtle moments that really make the actual difference but actually facing them is the hardest thing.
1: Oh my gosh, it's so hard and it's still hard to this moment. You know, I recognize when there's an emotion rising that I have deemed bad or that I don't want to experience and like my first reaction is still to like run from it, do something to distract myself from it. The difference now is I have the tools to really implement and really get myself back on track. But that doesn't mean it's easy. Like, I still need to have my own coach and my own people supporting me because I think it's a human experience to not be able to fully witness ourselves no matter what we yeah. do. So I think it's always important to have a support system. Even journaling is helpful because it can self-reflect. But it's not easy. None of it is is easy. And like sitting with yourself has to be one of the hardest things. Oh, my God. It's the hardest. Uh, It's so much easier just to scroll on social media. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) Right? And I feel worse afterwards. But while I'm doing it, I am not do (laughs) anything.
0: Totally. Totally. I'm in the mindless scroll right now. I'm like, I've never had an addiction to social media before. So this is new to me. And I'm just like finding myself doing this scroll. I like odd points during the day and i'm like what is going on this is new like this has got to stop
1: a thousand percent and they were they're good at what they do you know like (sighs) social media is good at what they do to keep us coming back and keep us checking like it is wild yeah it is so wild
0: it's wild i just that dopamine hit i'm like what's new what is gonna excite me? What's gonna make me laugh? And like I have a good feed. I'm gonna brag a little bit. Like, I have a <laughs> solid feed. I'm like very happy with it, but like I don't need to be scrolling, scrolling all day.
1: No, I totally <laughs> I don't that. need to be in it all the time. It's, it's so true.
0: I want to talk about two things. What were the tools that you used to get out of the rock bottom? And also, and we can we can separate these two, but when you're talking about that like integration of the knowledge, I'm so curious. What does that feel like? Like, how do you know that it's been integrated?
1: Yes, absolutely. Great questions. So first and foremost, the tools that I started to implement was honestly, one of the greatest tools I implemented was questioning my thoughts because my, like our brain offers our thoughts as if they are the news. So like, they're always truth. Like we feel like they're truth. But when I started to actually question what was being given to me, that's where I started to get my power back. Because if I'm just a victim to whatever is coming and going in my mind, I'm never empowered. So I think first and foremost, it was really one, questioning my thoughts for truth and then also for help or harm and just recognizing that I can choose to think what I want to think, even if it's true or even if it's not true. Right? However, I empower myself to do that. You know, we can't decide the thoughts that come in and out of our mind, but we can give power to the ones that help us and less power to the ones that harm us. So that was probably the beginning stages for me was just questioning my thoughts and also holding myself with the same grace and compassion that I gave others. And that was one of the hardest things that I had to learn how to do was really making space for myself. And I was really good at making space for other people and being kind and generous and graceful for other people and really learning how to implement that back to myself was my work, but it changed everything.
0: Wow. What did that look like?
1: Yeah. So first and foremost, it was kindness for the things I was experiencing. Starting to validate my own experience and saying like, this is hard and that's okay. You know, anxiety visits me often. And so it was about like stopping the resistance towards what I made anxiety mean about me and starting to soften to the experience of anxiety. Like it doesn't have to mean Anything about me, it can just be a presence, and I can just soften to it as if I would be sitting with a friend who's experiencing anxiety, and I could be like, "Look, it's okay. Anxiety's here. It's all good. Let it be there. It means nothing about you. You're still lovable and worthy and enough. Like, just let anxiety do its thing. It's trying to protect you. It was really about projecting what I usually projected and of my care and kindness towards other people back to myself, and it. It was a process, right? Because initially, my thoughts towards myself were really harsh. They were not nice. I had internalized a lot of voices through my life. Holding and recognizing when I was being unkind to myself and then choosing kindness anyway was the work. That's mm, so hard. It is like turning a ship.
0: Like it's-
1: It is. It is. It's so hard. And so that's why I constantly went back to how would I relate this to like my sister is my best friend in the entire world. So if she called me in this state, what would I say to her? And then just trying to backtrack that back to myself. But I knew that the way that I wasn't what helped is knowing that the way that I was doing it wasn't working.
0: Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's huge.
1: <laughs> right? Knowing that being awful to myself wasn't getting me anywhere. So I was like, okay, might as well try something else. Totally. Um, even though I felt ridiculous. You feel ridiculous when you're being comfortable. Oh, totally. Yourself. Like you're like, oh, I'm I'm but it was so worth it.
0: Oh, I love that. And it sounds too like repeating it, like not giving up, knowing that like, okay, maybe it doesn't sound authentic right now, but maybe next time it will. Like. Yeah. And that's the other thing
1: is like these things are practices. Like, this notion that you either have self love or you don't is completely false. It's like I practice self love, I practice authenticity, I still do it today and every day, right? Like, it's not something I have or I don't have, it's not a baseline, it's a practice.
0: I love that because especially I just, <laughs> we live in a society of like, I want things now and I want it done now. And so the idea of a practice is like, really? I have to wait? Yeah.
1: Right? I totally agree. And people are like, so how do I get this self-love thing that people keep talking about? And I'm like, can you yeah. And they're like, what do you mean? <laughs> Oh, I've Do this for weeks? <laughs> what do you mean? <laughs> I mean, the good news is the second you entertain a thought that's like more kind to yourself than you have ever been, it automatically introduces a feeling that's going to be softer and a little bit lighter. So yeah, it's a practice over time, but instantly introducing kind of thoughts automatically changes the chemistry of your body.
0: I love that. And it's it's a simple hard tool. I'm not going to lie. It's hard. I
1: always say it's like, these are simple tools, but they are hard work.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Truly. Yeah. Truly. Back to the second question. How did you, how did it feel in your body when you knew that you were actually integrating the knowledge that you had been acquiring?
1: This is huge. This one's huge. So for me, I never looked at my body as part of my healing journey. So it was like, I need to do all of, I, need, I have all this knowledge, I need to do all of these practices, but I never tuned into how my body was responding to any of it. And if I would have, I would have recognized that my nervous system was really dysregulated, which means that I was really at a heightened state always. Because anxiety visits me so often, I was always in a heightened state. So I was making these changes, but I wasn't slowing it down to integrate it into my body to make it safe. And any change we make and that we don't do the work also to make safe in our body will not last. It can be quick change, but my body will reject it. So when I started to feel calm in situations where I had normally felt very heightened, that's when I knew I started integrating. And that's what changed everything because before when I left my marriage, I was speaking to my now partner actually at that time and and he was so steady and loving and kind and I didn't hold those beliefs about myself. And I, my nervous system completely rejected him. Like I was in a heightened state around him always. I didn't know how to accept that. So I sabotaged it because it wasn't integrated in my body. But now being in a space to accept healthy love is because I A, worked on my beliefs about myself, but also B, I know how to regulate my nervous system. So my body feels safe in situations.
0: Oh my God. I love that. This is like, um, I talk a lot about attachment style on the show and this is literally like the definition of an insecure attachment type meeting a secure person. They're like, the secure person is so boring. (laughs)
1: Honestly, like I all the time, like being in a healthy relationship with you was like the hardest thing I've ever done. Like I also say, this is probably terrible, but I also say like sometimes my toxic relationships were easier then like, mm. the mirror that you provide me and ask me, like the woman you ask me to be, just energetically to be all of myself and to be fully seen is so difficult.
0: Totally. Oh, I t- that totally makes sense to me. Like he it's you know, you're reaching beyond, you're going higher. Like you're being asked to up level. And that's exhausting. That's exhausting work.
1: It is so exhausting, and I think people really feel like they're they're doing something wrong when they're in really mm. relationships, and they're like, "Well, this should be exciting." And I'm like, "No, your nervous system is addicted to high highs and low lows. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. It's about regulating your nervous system, and then see how you feel So it changes. Then,
0: yeah." changes everything. Oh, I totally agree with that. So funny. I was just to give an example of this, of what you were talking about earlier about like being in situations when you were like, oh, I'm reacting in a different way. I went to a show the other night. Shows are back. It's (laughs) being in a crowd is like a whole new thing again for me. But I was at this show and this couple was behind me and they were super, super drunk and being like yelling at each other. And my like little seven-year-old self was like, oh my God, someone's fighting. like this is awkward. And like normally I would take that energy on and like kind of let it, you know, penetrate just like everything that I was thinking and doing and being and just would be so hyper aware of what was going on behind me. But this time I was like, oh, that's not my problem. They're in their own little worlds and I like, it doesn't, this doesn't have to have any effect on me. And it was such a different reaction.
1: Oh my gosh. And such a profound moment that seems very small. Like in that moment, you created safety for yourself instead of looking outside of you. Like huge.
0: Totally. And it was so funny too, because afterwards after the show, I was like, Well, that couple behind us was fighting, right? And my husband was like, Oh no, I think they were just talking really loud.
1: <laughs> oh, like, my God, oh my our
0: perception. Our perception, my perception of the world is like you know, So different from other someone else's. So I just thought that was so funny of like we had two totally different reactions. Um, But either way, I was able to kind of um, hold my own and really not um, let myself separate and like worry too much about them, if that makes sense.
1: So profound. I think when we are able to find ourselves in situations that once triggered us and stay calm in them, that that is the reason for this work.
0: 100% hundred percent. It makes me feel like, I don't know, like a superhero or something.
1: A thousand percent. Like when my clients are able to like really redirect their mind to a thought that serves them, I'm like, you're a superhero. You're, you're literally creating your reality, creating new neural pathways, like doing the work no one does. Like, Because <laughs> I just think it's the most incredible work you can do. And it's the hardest. And the hardest. I love that we keep saying that. And this is the hardest.
0: (laughs) But doable. It is totally doable. It's just also really hard. (laughs) Hey there. I hope you're enjoying this week's episode. I know I am. If you're enjoying the Lit AF podcast, I humbly ask you to make a financial contribution to the Lit AF tip jar. Your support will help make this podcast happen. Financial contributions help to cover costs like podcast hosting site, podcast recording software, and it also helps us to pay our amazing talented podcast editor that brings us these sweet episodes every single week monthly and one-off donation options are available and we've got some sweet thank you gifts for everyone participating if you're interested in making your financial con- contribution please visit sarahcohan.com forward slash tip jar that's s-a-r-a-h-c-o-h-a-n.com forward slash tip jar now back to this week's episode thank you so much Okay. So to do like a little live kind of like shadow work integration, I'd love for you to tell us what was the hardest thing for you to integrate
1: about yourself? Oh goodness. It was probably, there's a few. So I really felt because my anxiety was something that I grew up With from like my earliest childhood memory, I had anxiety, it visited me. So, I really like my parents did the best they could, however, they didn't know what it was that I was going through, so it was often punished. Really grew up with this notion that who I was was a burden, that there was something wrong with me that needed to be fixed. So getting into relationships from there, I always felt like I had to perform in order to be lovable because just at my core, I was very anxious, I was very aware, I was hypervigilant, and I felt like I was just too much. So I always hustled for love. And so to believe that I was just lovable for who I was and that my anxiety wasn't a problem, wasn't something in me that was wrong, was the hardest work that I have ever done and really asked me to grieve um, all of the punishment I had put myself through um, in order to be loved. And ultimately, you know, I wanted... I felt like I wanted to be loved by other people. But what I was constantly asking for, like we were talking about earlier, like inner child was just asking, like, am I lovable? And I was constantly looking back at my inner child saying, let me check. Let me ask this person. Let me go ask someone else. Yeah. Uh, I'll just find out if he still loves me and then we'll be okay. Um, And what it took was turning towards myself to be like, okay, where can I find the ways in which I am lovable? And I don't, I'm not broken. And that was the hardest work. But Inner child work is incredible, is so profound. I'm also working now on like healing my inner adolescent, like that's a new thing, And it's just, it's such important work because it comes back to healing your relationship with yourself and how you relate to yourself. So that, that was the hardest thing was to start to believe that I was lovable, just who I was. Mm.
0: I still, I am still doing this work. Like, yeah, it, absolutely. It's, <laughs> I'll still catch myself being like, oh,
1: am I externalizing my validation? Does that just, oh, did that just happen? It's a journey though. And again, a practice. Like, every day I have to practice validating myself and um, turning towards myself to find my worth and, like, again, practice.
0: I love that. I love that. It's funny. My, I feel like the hardest thing for me to integrate was actually the, like, there's so many things that are like flashing through my mind, but so many of them are like my sexual identity and then honoring my childhood upbringing of like being, I like grew up with, um, a father who had mental illness and we were in an abusive family and it, it took me so long to just say those things out loud. But at the end of the day, like Once I integrate those things, I feel like, okay, now I can talk about it. Like I can say it, you know, I can own it. But the the self-acceptance part and the self-love is like – continuing and ongoing
1: a thousand percent
0: it's- and this it's the small experiences
1: absolutely that make- like this question i like to return to is like whenever something comes up because i feel like healing is lifelong is whenever something comes up like a memory or an emotion or something i always ask myself this comes from peter crone actually is um can i be with this too and it's just like i don't have to change it i don't have to make it better i don't have to fix it just can i be with it and it's just that is the hardest work that we could do. But acceptance is truly the first step, like you said, because then you're empowered. It's your story, you get to narrate it. Um, but it's so not easy. <laughs> <laughs> we just keep going back.
0: <laughs> I think it's important to say because. I, this work is hard and I think honoring that is really important, especially for someone that's new on this journey or that's been on it for a while and is just like, whoa, you know, I need to actually honor this fact that like this is not – I'm not taking the easy road here.
1: A thousand percent. And I think it's important to note too, like when I started my journey of towards self-love, I think that I had this notion that like I was going to go from like really negative self image all the way to like loving myself yeah. and what we don't recognize is like the acceptance part in there is an act of self-love just yeah. being able to be with yourself is an act of self-love it doesn't always look like having thoughts like i'm the greatest human in the entire world like sometimes it's just like thinking about things that i've been through or emotions i've had or things i've done and, and thinking to myself like yeah i did my best
0: Oh, I did my best with the tools that I had at the time. That is like one of my favorite, favorite quotes to remind myself. Like,
1: it's going to be okay. It's good. Yeah. And I think, too, one of the greatest ways we suffer is through shame. Like, shame is like an awful, you know, they knock on the door and they're just like awful. They're mean. They don't look very nice. They have awful things to say. And you're just like, great. You know, so like, I just picture all my emotions like people, and like that one is the meanest, awfulest looking human being. They like, come in, and I'm just like, "Oh gosh!" And so like, the only way I get them out of my house is when I say, "Like I did my best."
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I love that. What can shame say to that? Like right? I, that's all we could do.
1: That's it. That's
0: it. I've had, I've had done so much work on shame. Just to bring it back to attachment styles again, I I lean more dismissive avoidant. I feel like the shame is like the dismissive avoidance best friend. Like it it's, keeps that, like keeps you down in that cycle of self-judgment and the, you know, staying in the shadow. And my, <laughs> I just ended this appointment with my therapist. that was like, look at you. You're just like not sitting with shame anymore. Like you, you came here with like all, you know, to work on my um, sexual identity and stuff like that and, and the, my sacral energy and then to work more on, like, childhood memories with EMDR and just saying goodbye to shame is – obviously, shame is still going to be there. I'm not saying no to it, but I'm just not giving it the same power that it used to have.
1: Yeah. It's like I like – I like the analogy of like letting these things ride shotgun if they need to, but like I get to keep my hands on the wheel. And that's the biggest difference that this work makes is like, sure, Shane can sometimes ride passenger, but I always have my hands on the wheel. So I'm in control, even if Shane is telling me we're the worst human being. Shame always wants to drive. Oh my gosh! And shame is so dramatic. Like shame is like, and we're the worst human in the entire world. And like, we couldn't go to like we've made a bad decision. Like, why did we have to? You're the worst human ever. Oh, uh, and it's so
0: addicting. Like the way that you're saying it's so – like shame is very dramatic. Like I think that I used to be addicted to that drama because my nervous system was so dysregulated, as you were saying. So it's like when you can bring that down and then start to realize that it's okay, it is safe to have moments of rest. It is safe to have moments of quiet then it's like all of a sudden the drama of shame is no longer as it intoxicating.
1: Right. Yes. Because I think people don't realize when our nervous system is dysregulated, we can create what we need to in our mind to create the same feeling in our body. So it, mm. no matter what tool we have to use, if it's shame, if it's anxiety, whatever it is, in order to keep our nervous system in that same heightened state, we will use So that's the power of like embodiment, like you're talking about integrating and allowing your nervous system to get to like a baseline of like a little bit of ease, because then when shame comes in, you're like, okay, I see you, right? (laughs) I see you
0: coming.
1: (laughs) Oh my gosh, I can't believe you're here. It's more like, oh yeah, it's you again. Okay. Yeah.
0: Hey, what's going on? <laughs> I love that. I feel like you kind of already touched on this, but what are the steps to start a practice of self love?
1: Yeah, I think first and foremost, it's noticing, starting to become aware of the things that we say to ourselves. That's creating that separation of noticing because ultimately, how we feel about ourselves or this, our self-concept is built out of the thoughts we most often think about ourselves, the feelings we most often have, and then the actions we take, whether they're loving or unloving towards ourselves. So we have to start to interrupt the pattern of thinking that we have always had about ourselves. Because oftentimes, um, like not feeling great about ourselves has been a lifelong process, a lifelong journey. We've been saying nasty things to ourselves for our entire life. Starting to be aware of those thoughts and create that separation would probably be the first step. Let me be aware of when I'm being harshest to myself. Once I can recognize when those thoughts are present, I can start to interrupt them and redirect them. And when I redirect them, I think a lot of people get this notion that I'm going to start like, having affirmations all of the time. But the problem with affirmations is that a lot of time they don't feel true in my body. So I could say I'm wonderful. Like for me at the time, I could say I'm lovable, but my body was like, okay, like my brain was like, okay, sure. We don't have proof of that. So I like to interrupt and then redirect to possibility because as soon as I say it's possible I'm lovable, my brain's like, okay, I'll give you this one. And I start to soften until I can work my way up to starting to believe that I'm lovable. But it's really about interrupting and redirecting to possibility. Is it possible that you are lovable right now? Where's the proof of that? Because you have it, you just haven't been looking at it. And the other thing I always recommend is if you are one for affirmations, because I do think that they're powerful, I always recommend turn your affirmations into questions. I am amazing. Turn it into, in what ways am I amazing? Because then you force your brain to actually create the connection and force your brain to find the proof of why that is true. So it makes it more believable.
0: Totally. Oh my, I love that. Because then you're starting to think of examples and real life events, like way more convincing to your brain.
1: Way more convincing. Yeah.
0: I love that. I heard you talk a little bit about helping clients find their purpose. And I feel like this is a big topic, especially in the coaching industry. So I'm very curious, like w- with clients, like what, what have you seen holds them back the most Yeah, from their purpose?
1: Absolutely. I think there's a lot that holds us back from our purpose. The first thing is, is just when we are in survival mode, so we are just going about, trying to hustle for our worth, trying to earn our our, um, lovability. When we're in that kind of mindset, we're hustling so much out of ourselves that we don't have the ability to hear that small voice that is constantly directing us, the truth of our nature, our authenticity, because we're overriding it constantly with a hustle for just survival, love, belonging, safety. So the first thing when it comes to finding purpose is really just taking a step back to heal your relationship with yourself so that you can get in tune with the things you really want. But in survival mode, those things aren't available to us. We're just trying to survive. So when we start to heal that relationship, we start to get access, more access to the things that really light us up. The second thing I like to mention is that purpose is really associated with Picking one thing you're going to do for the rest of your life. It easily gets correlated into that group. And for me, I'm just like, first, that's not true. Because at the end of the day, in my mind, you are purpose. Every human being is purpose. Just who they are is purpose. So anything you choose to do is purposeful, right? And when you open your mind to that possibility, then you're like, oh, there's there's so much less pressure with choosing this one thing that's supposed to be what I'm going to do with the rest of my life. Because it could be a multitude of things. It could be trying everything. It could be doing this for a year and doing that for two years. It could be anything. But once we heal that relationship with ourselves, we can hear that voice. And then when we release this pressure of choosing one thing, we're then open to trying it all with the knowing and the awareness that just we are purpose. It's, it's not something we have to find. Oh, my God. I love that. That's so freeing. Right? That that was huge for me. I struggled a lot in my journey with this notion of purpose. Like the pressure of purpose almost took me out. Because I was just like, what am I supposed to do with my whole entire life?
0: Yeah. Right? Well, what's my goal? What's yeah. My- what am I here to do?
1: Yeah. And do I have purpose without having like a goal? If I'm not achieving something, do I still have purpose? Like it was, those are the questions that really... I mean, shame joined the party too, but...
0: <laughs> of course. Of course. She invited herself.
1: We did. I swear. So
0: <sighs> I love what you're saying about having multiple purposes or like the purpose can be, can encompass trying many different things or doing many different things. Like there's no need to have it just be one thing. Yeah. Try it all. Try it all. That's so beautiful. And like way... Like, I feel like we have more to learn from people that want to try everything or and then share that with others or whatever their purpose may be or however they want to share it Um, rather than forcing everyone to just do one thing.
1: A thousand percent. And like, those are my people. Like, I want the people around me to be the people who tried it all, like failed a whole bunch of times, have skinned knees and are like, oh, this is the experience and this is what it taught me about myself. Like, those are my people.
0: <laughs> totally. Totally.
1: So I think, yeah, just try it all. Do it all. Do it all. Don't be shy. Don't let
0: that shadow hold you back. No. (laughs)
1: Uh,
0: It's so hard though. It's so hard. I feel like um, I've totally beaten myself up about like I switch hobbies. I get so into like one thing. Like I did improv for so long. And then before that it was dance. And like I get so like, you know, laser focused on one thing and then I drop it. And when I'm ready to drop it, I am ready. Like I, it's, you know, I probably waited a little too long to drop it. And I've just always judged myself for leaving.
1: <laughs> always. Yeah. It's like this societal notion that we've been ingrained with of like, if you choose one thing, that's it. Like you're a failure if you walk away from it.
0: A hundred percent quitting, Quitting's not an option. You know, there's so much, so much judgment and shame around quitting.
1: Yeah. And it's like, I'm a, a unique, like nuanced human being and I'm going to fit all of my humanness into one thing for the rest of my life. Like when you break it down like that, you're like, wait, that's absurd. Yeah, and what I liked when I was twenty is completely different from what I. Liked. Oh my god! Oh, wow, I couldn't possibly I could not be life coaching at twenty. Like I could, it was a podcast.
0: <laughs> oh, it would be fun to watch though, especially like looking back. I'm like, oh man,
1: she oh, yeah. was a joy. She was, she was young. She was reckless. She had fun.
0: <laughs> she's different now.
1: Yeah. <laughs>
0: But I am curious, so what happens when someone kind of gets close to what their purpose may be, whatever their purpose may be?
1: Well, oftentimes when we do get close to it or we start listening to that voice within us and following it, a a, a lot happens. This is why I definitely recommend getting support is because you end up disappointing a lot of people. B, you have to do work to make it safe every single day our expansion is only as great as our regulated nervous system so we have to constantly be doing work to make our expansion safe and so as we get close to our purpose there could be moments where a we're disappointing people b we're misunderstood um, or c it it's just feels unsafe to us so it's about constantly going back to doing that work of like making this safe and sustainable
0: I love that. The safety is so huge. That's like, you know, one of my really core wounds is being unsafe. I mean, I think I, I feel like safety is so important to so many of us at such a human level. Yes. And when oftentimes when we're up leveling or, or expanding, like you're saying, we are, there's so much fear involved. Like oh my
1: gosh. There's so much fear and fear is like shame and anxiety and all of those other emotions it's like we can't get rid of fear like attempt to get rid of fear is futile and also causes a lot of suffering so allowing fear to like ride passenger as I keep my hands on the wheel and continue moving forward towards that voice and constantly just being like I got you we're gonna be okay we can do this we're gonna be fine we're gonna be fine and again I'm trying it all so if this doesn't work out no problem I'll try the next thing
0: We'll try the next We're going to learn
1: something. Absolutely. We'll try
0: the next thing. We'll do it together. Yeah.
1: Because at the yeah. end of the day, if I am purpose, it's more about who I am allowing myself to be and not how I am doing it.
0: Mm, I love that. I love that. The how doesn't really matter at all. No.
1: It's just who is my expression? Who am I in service to?
0: Yeah. That's really beautiful. How, I'm so curious, like when you kind of discovered maybe your most recent purpose, what what were the fears? Like what was your journey to really embracing it?
1: Becoming a life coach was probably my biggest fear was um I'm still figuring things out. So who am I to help people? And like that imposter syndrome that comes in that says like who are you to do this? And I think that was that up leveling was about me creating safety and really recognizing that we the power that we hold is the journey that we've had. So the greatest gift that I could do is reach back on my journey to the women who are just two steps behind me. They were never looking for somebody who has it completely figured out. They want to know that someone gets it. Yeah, (laughs) they want to be understood. (laughs) I just want to be seen and understood and know how to get myself continuously on the right path. And so it was really about healing integrating for me and then recognizing that the daily work that I do is my gift to them and every difficult moment that I face now that I feel like I'm being messy or I feel like I'm crying so much or I've slipped into like anxieties visiting me and it's crippling I think of being in those moments when I'm in them as like this is where I'm meeting them this is where women is like I get it I see you I understand and so that was my work was recognizing that the power that I held was my journey was my story and it wasn't a disservice to also still be figuring it out as I go
0: I love that because I have such a tendency to throw out my previous journey like oh my god oh that was a, that wasn't worth it that you know I didn't learn anything from that oh that didn't end it the way I thought it should so we're just gonna discount that
1: a thousand percent. But really, it's like, those scars, all of those scars are the roadmap for everyone who's coming behind me. And without them, there would be no roadmap. If it was perfect, everyone would be like, okay, like, I can't relate to you. Great. Like, right. You have to tell yourself like, <laughs> was it ever hard for you? Okay. Like, we know them. I know you know someone. You follow them. Oh, no, and you're like, sure. you've always just had it figured out. Like, I can't relate to you. Your story is inspiring, but I would never work with you. Right? Oh, uh, Yeah. Yeah,
0: that is – it's so true. And I love honoring the story and the the power of the story. It's really cool. Such a good reminder. Well, is there anything else that you'd like to share with listeners that are on their own healing journey?
1: I think that I would share that it is worth it. Keep going. You're doing enough. I think so often – in the healing journey we just we can get addicted to like more and more and more healing but like also how can we just see that everything we're doing is enough right now it's enough you're doing enough and you're doing work that 90% of people choose not to do so like grace compassion integration for just it's enough right now and so I think that's something I needed to hear on my journey and so something I would offer that. How can it be enough right now? Thank
0: you. Thank you. Two, two years ago, Sarah is like, oh, Gabby, I needed
1: that. Right. Thank you. <laughs> oh, I love that. It's oh
0: enough. God. It is enough. What you're doing right now is always enough. Always. Oh, this has been amazing. Um, okay. So how can listeners follow along with what you're up to?
1: Yeah. The best place is to find me on Instagram, which is Gabrielle but spelled out Olivia.
0: Can you spell it for us?
1: Yes. <laughs> Uh, So it's G-A-V-R-I-E-L-L-E dot zero L-I-V-I-A. There we go.
0: There it is. There it is. (laughs) is It's
1: very confusing. (laughs) And if someone's
0: interested in working with you, how can they book time with you?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So if you just head to my Instagram in my bio, you can book a free 60-minute discovery call where where we just kind of dive in. We talk about all of the things, how you're feeling, and steps forward because there is always hope. It's always possible to get out of where you are right now,
0: Gabby. Thank you so much for being here today. This is such a refreshing conversation.
1: Oh, thank you so much for having me. This has been incredible, and I'm kind of upset because I didn't cuss. So ah. oh.
0: <laughs> it's not too late. You can give us one right now.
1: Uh, fuck. <laughs> Yay! Yes. Oh, we, love it. <laughs> we love it. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> thank you so much for having oh. me.
0: That's it for today's show. Thank you so, so, so much for listening. I really hope you enjoyed. If you have a moment and you're in the Apple Podcast app, please rate and review the show. I could really use all the ratings I can get. And please share this episode with a friend that may benefit from it. Of course, hit subscribe to keep up with new weekly episodes. And if you're interested in supporting the show and being part of the litAF community, join our Patreon by visiting sarahcohan.com forward slash tip jar. That's S-A-R-A-H-C-O-H-A-N dot com forward slash tip jar. Thank you again for listening. Please stay lit, lit AF, and I hope to see you back here next week.